Hey, Fifth Line, this is Greg Murray, the voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Artillery Podcast, the number one Blue Jackets podcast in the world, or so they say. Here are your hosts, Jordan, Kyle, Warren, and Tyler. Who wrote this, by the way? What's going on, little boomers? Welcome in to the podcast, episode 240. Uh, so there is no, there is no Kyle, there is no Warren, there is no Tyler, there is no intern Braden or Bryson, whatever you want to call him. It is just me, Jordan, here on this wonderful Sunday afternoon. Um, so listen, we were we were going to do a podcast Wednesday. Wednesday is our typical podcast day, and that's kind of when all the Gavrikov things started heating up. And I put in the group chat, I was like, "Hey boys, let's let's pause it for tonight." And let's see if something breaks in the next day or two, and then we'll come at them with a with a trade podcast special. And of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> so Gavrikov still a Columbus Blue Jacket, um, which honestly I'm not mad about. Granted, he's not playing at all. Uh, I would love for Gavrikov to stay in the Union Blue, but you know I think that ship has obviously sailed. Um, but with that said, there was quite a bit of things that happened, um, with the whole Gavrikov saga, and I'm going to talk about it for a little bit here on episode 240. Again, another solo episode by yours truly, Jordan, and, uh, the boys, they're all busy today. Uh, Kyle is having a birthday party for his dog. Not even kidding. Um, sorry I couldn't be there for that. Um, you and Danny, I, I send you my my best wishes for that party. Uh, Warren, I think he's out of town. Tyler, I think he's having a date night. And then intern uh, Braden, he's playing baseball out in Indiana. So uh, as you, you're stuck with me, and that's the way it's going to be. Hopefully, I can entertain you. Um, but anyway, so let's go. Let's just get right into it because I I have nobody else to talk to. Um, so yeah, we'll get right into it here. So what's up with Gavrikov? The whole Gavrikov situation. He's been a healthy scratch now for seven straight games because of trade-related reasons. We don't want the dude to get hurt. And given the situation, like I guess I get it, right? Like so, so come like two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, Gavrikov healthy scratch, and it seemed as though Columbus and Boston just had this had this trade ready to go. Maybe there was one more moving piece, one more moving part that needed to take place, that kind of seems maybe what was holding it back, and it just did not materialize. And now we're sitting with Gavrikov being a healthy scratch for seven straight games now. Kind of feel bad for Gavi, right? A little bit. You know the dude wants to go out and play. He's a hockey player. He's, he's, a, he's a competitor. He wants to be out on the ice. And he's, he's traveling with the team too. He's not just sitting at home. He's traveling. He's there. And, I mean, I I feel like we're just kind of, at this point, it's being dragged out. Granted, yeah, the trade deadline is this Friday at 3 p.m., so a lot's probably going to start happening here soon. Um, but, yeah, it just it's just frustrating, man, because I feel like our front office was kind of caught with their pants down, right? Like, is that not the way it kind of seems? And, I mean, that's just with Boston. You know, Boston, I don't fault Boston at all. I don't. They did what they had to do. They they, they got to look out for themselves, right? They can't just sit there and 
and wait for something to happen on our end. They, they got to pull trig if they see an opportunity, and that's what they did. And Boston got what they, they got what they wanted. And what I kind of find ironic is, so Boston, they wanted Gavrikov. And per some sources, Olivier was also involved. In, they wanted Olivier in that trade as well. Boston did. And for whatever reason, it just it did not materialize, didn't pan out. And instead, Boston made some moves with Washington. I think Carolina was thrown in there. And they, they acquired a veteran defender in Orlov and a forward in Hathaway. Hathaway fits that Boston Bruin identity. Kind of like an, an Olivier, but maybe a little more experienced. Orlov is a great defender, been around the league for a handful of years. Maybe even a, a slight upgrade from a Gavrikov, granted a little older. So Boston kind of got what they wanted, but just not with us. It was it was kind of almost like an identical trade a little bit, just ours our players were maybe a little less experienced, right? So the initial trade, Boston was going to probably send a first and a third, maybe maybe a prospect player to be named, I don't know, with it. And it just never, never came about. And it kind of seems as though our front office thought the deal was done. And that's why Gavrikov two weeks ago was a healthy scratch for trade-related reasons. And I feel like, Again, I, I already said it, but like I feel like our front office was just caught with their pants down. They just, however it went down, they just they were not prepared for it to go like that, and that's how it happened. And it frustrates me as a fan. It really does. It frustrates me as a fan because this whole season has kind of mirrored that. It's like, what are we doing here? It just kind of seems like there might, I don't want to throw around this word because it's a heavy word, but I feel like there's just slight incompetence right now from the front office to the coaching all around. Now, I know there's going to be something that comes this week. Gavrikov's on the move. Gavrikov's going somewhere. He's not going to stay here, right? There's no way he's staying here. That ship has sailed. If anything, now he's probably pissed like, what the hell? Now I'm not playing hockey. I want to play hockey. And now you got me sitting out seven straight games because for trade related reasons, but you can't even make trade happen. And this is a conversation for another day. I won't have it now, but like when it comes down to just how this whole thing went down, it just kind of, listen, we're, we're nine years into a Yarmo, a Yarmo regime here. This has been Yarmo's team for nine seasons. And we're sitting here with one playoff series win. I used to be the biggest cheerleader for Yarmo. And I think Yarmo's done some great things for this team. I really do. But now we're sitting here nine years in, worst record in franchise history, on pace for it. And I'm just not seeing what I want, what I want to see as a fan. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, Yarmo thinks we have a deal in place with Boston. And out of nowhere, Boston says, <laughs> no, just, just kidding. Just kidding. We got something, something else over here. And Boston got what they want, and the Blue Jackets here, we are sitting with nothing. We're sitting with a, a player that's being healthy scratched every game, which, I mean, in a season like this, doesn't even matter, right? doesn't matter at all, but if anything, like we have no shot in even resigning the guy anymore because now he's probably pissed off or sitting for seven straight games. I'm just, I'm, I'm severely questioning now the front office and the, and the direction that they're trying to take this team. And listen... There's going to be something that materializes. There's going to be a trade. The trade deadline is is this Friday. 
something is going to happen. Gavrikov is going to be on the move. And this podcast may be so irrelevant in, in, in three, four, five days. It very well could be. And I could be completely, I could be so far off. And maybe, maybe Yarmo pulls something that's incredible, which he has been known to do. He's been known to make great trades. And there could still be something out there. But I just feel like the, <laughs> with this whole Boston situation, like the deal was there. And was it a product of maybe Yarmo's stubbornness or maybe Yarmo was trying to hold out for, for one more thing to, before he pulled the trade and, and Boston said, okay, bye. We got Orlov and Hathaway now. See ya. you. You're now back at ground zero. Good luck. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the room. I can't comment on it in terms of that. But it, from the outside looking in, it just doesn't, it's not a good look for the franchise. Not a good look. Really not. And now we're back at ground zero. But, like I said, crazy things have happened during trade deadline week. That is Friday. Friday is the deadline. So we could very well see Gavrikov on the move for some, some pretty cool pieces in return. And I, you know, we probably will get that. We probably will get that. But right now, I just, <laughs> looking back at just how all that went down, I'm like, God damn, what are we doing over here? What's going on in that front office? Because right now, we're on pace for the worst record in franchise history. Nobody stays healthy. Coaching staff is just ill-prepared, it seems like. And we're nine years into this Yarmo regime, and we have one playoff series win to show for. What's going on over there? But that's a whole other story for a whole other day. Let's get back to it here. So, yeah, uh, Boston got what they what they wanted. If, if, they're, if they were not going to get Gavrikov and, and Olivier... They got the pretty much the identical type of trade, just maybe a little more experienced players. And quite frankly, if they were trying to go after Olivier too, I want to keep Olivier. I like Olivier. I think Olivier, he, he fills a need the Jackets have been needing for quite some time. It's, it's not so much about always dropping the gloves with him. He'll do it, but he'll defend his teammates, which is something that I have not seen a lot from this, from this group in a while. And he will drop the gloves, and occasionally he'll score a goal. So I, I like what Olivier brings, and I think once this team, if this team ever gets rolling, I think he's going to be a big part of the Columbus Blue Jackets' future. I think he's going to really help this team in, in the long run if this team gets competitive. Regardless, though, yeah, Boston got who they wanted. And the Jackets, did, the Jackets are still sitting here just uh, unsure of what's going to be or what's going to become of, of Gavrikov. Um, again, the trade deadline is this week. So Gavrikov is, he's going to be on the move. Like he's going to be on the move. There is a team that wants him and there are teams that are interested in him. Teams that are currently still kind of linked. Uh, maybe some conversations have been had. Edmonton seems to be maybe a front runner. Granted, I know things can change very quickly, very rapidly, especially this week. Trade deadline week can get crazy. Um, but Edmonton seems to be a front runner. And, and based off of the Jackets winning 7-6 to six over the Oilers on Saturday, there's no question there's some holes in that Oiler defense. And they could use a guy like Avrikov. They certainly could. Jesse Pularvi, Pularvi, 
I always butcher his name. To be fair, I butcher everyone's name. I can hear the name in my head. I know the name. But when it comes out of my mouth, I can't say it. Jesse Pularvi, right? Is that how you say it? Maybe. He's been linked to possibly coming back and return. Maybe some picks involved there with Edmonton. Not opposed to it. But again, I, I, I think we have... Do we have enough forwards on this team? I feel like, if anything, our blue line is what's severely lacking, and getting rid of a Gavrikov is not going to help that come next season. And that's why last podcast I talked about, you know, if, if we can get some of these picks or get some of these pieces for Gavrikov and then flip him for a guy like Chikrin, I am completely, I am completely okay with that. I know people have their thoughts on Chikrin, whatever, but if we're going to get rid of a guy like Gavrikov, please bring in somebody that can fill the shoes of Gavrikov. We can't let our blue line get worse. That's just, that can't be an option if we want to progress and, and get out of this awful, awful rebuild that we're in. Worst season in franchise history. Other teams that are potentially linked to Gavrikov, Toronto, Los Angeles. Um, I don't really have any player specifics there. That's just kind of what people are saying. Rumors from random sources within the league. But regardless, yeah, this the way this whole thing went down. I, I, I'm not I'm not the one that yells on this podcast. That's Kyle, and I, I, he'll have his thoughts on Wednesday. I just wanted to knock out an episode because we didn't do one last Wednesday. Uh, but I just feel like the front office, man, it's just I'm so frustrated with the way they're kind of handling the situation. And like I said, I'm slowly losing faith, and I'm in, in Yarmo. You know, I was hoping when, when JD returned, we would see some good things evolve. You know, maybe that chemistry, that brick by brick chemistry would come back with Yarmo and JD. And here we are sitting dead last in the National Hockey League, worst record that we've ever had in franchise history. And I don't I'm not seeing a way out of it right now with the team that we have currently. I'm not. And I know that I was high on this team prior to the start of this season because we just got Johnny Gaudreau, baby. It was the Johnny Gaudreau effect. Everybody was like, oh, this team now, we're going to the playoffs because the previous season, we were 500 in a rebuild. We weren't that bad. And we come out the gate just awful. And that was, and also, that was before all the injuries. That was before all the injuries. We, we just came out the gate terrible and we were healthy. But... <laughs> That's a conversation for another day because that, to me, is chalked up as coaching. It's all, it's all intertwined, okay? You got the coaching. That's, I don't think Brad Larson is equipped to, to have this job. I really don't. I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's an awesome dude off the ice. He even goes to my church. I'm sure he's a great dude. I've never walked up to him at church. I feel like it's inappropriate, but sometimes when I want to walk up to him and be like, hey, man, what, what are you doing with this team? Maybe I'll take my microphone and my, my portable podcast equipment next, next time I go to church uh, and when I run into them. Like, hey, quick interview there, Larson. What, what's your strategy here? Because it sure ain't looking good on TV or in person. How did I get down this rabbit hole? That wasn't even part of my show flow. I have no idea. What was I even talking about? Oh, just overall incompetence of our front office and coaching staff. Yeah, that was right. That's right. That's what I was talking about. Still not even on the show floor. I just went down the rabbit hole of it, regardless. Okay. Um, yeah, so we'll see. This this week is the trade deadline. Um, 
a lot of things can happen, especially with the team that we have right now and the way that this front office wants to take this team in the future. I mean, there can be some moves here that could definitely benefit us uh, later on, but we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. But, um, yeah, right now it just seems like the, in terms of the market for Gavrikov, I mean, it's still there, but per quite a few sources on Twitter and credible sources right now, there's just, there's, there's, it's just the, the talks are flat. There's nothing really there yet because Boston seemed to be the thing. And that's why we initially started scratching him because we thought the deal was in place, but not in place apparently. So anyways, um, so another name that I, I keep seeing in the trade conversation, and I don't want to see his name in the trade conversation. If he goes anywhere, I will be extremely pissed off, very pissed off. And then I will be severely questioning <laughs> more so than I already am this front office. And I know his value is up right now because he's playing very well. He's playing incredible. Corpusalo. Corpusalo's name has been dropped here and there about, you know, maybe being on the move. I don't know where, but, you know, there's speculation. There are teams out there that could use a a good goalie come down the stretch and into the playoffs and and not so much a starter, but, you, you know, having a guy like Corpy even as a backup going into the playoffs is very beneficial for a team. And so, yeah, his name's been floating around. Is he not our number one goalie right now? He's our number one guy, right? We, we all can agree to that. He is our number one guy. He's not getting paid to be our number one guy. Elvis is. Elvis has the contract. But Corpy has taken that spot back and then some, right? Do we all agree on that? I mean, I, I think that's the truth. Elvis is getting paid to be the number one. But Corpy is playing like the number one. So why would you want to get rid of a guy like that? I know maybe the arguments that, you know, well, all last season was the year to get rid of Corpy, but he he just didn't play well at all, right? He was hurt a lot, and his value his value went down. Now his value is shooting up, and I get that. I understand that. But with what we're paying, we're not paying him that much. Why don't we just keep him? Elvis Corpy, one-two tandem. Because Elvis is here to stay. There's unless Yarmo pulls a miracle, ain't no team grabbing Elvis. That contract is stupid. And he's playing bad. He's gotten slightly progressively better here recently, but but still not great. Not the money he's being paid, not number one goalie in our system great. That goes to Corpy. So if the front office decides to trade Corpusalo, I, I will I will be legitimately pissed off. And I, I will be questioning the competence of our front office. How many times can I say front office in one episode? Let's get a tally going. And you could say, well, you know, Tarasov's he can be the backup for Elvis if we do trade Corpy, because you know, Corpy's values, his trade value is high right now. He's playing great. Uh, especially a team like Edmonton would want him. Maybe Ed, maybe he goes to Edmonton. Who knows? Maybe it's a trade that we just can't turn down. And maybe that's how Corpy ends his time here in Columbus. Who knows? But 
Tarasov can't stay healthy. That seems to be his problem. He can't stay healthy in Columbus. He can't stay healthy in Cleveland. He's kind of risky at this at this particular moment. He's when he's healthy, he's great. When he's when he's healthy, he he's an NHL goaltender in my opinion. He shouldn't be in Cleveland when he's healthy. Unfortunately, there's no room for him here in Columbus. I love Tarasov. But like I don't know. I think if if I'm Yarmo, I just I think I kind of stay put with the goaltending. I don't think I do anything. Because when we do have a healthier team, and when we have maybe a couple more guys that can play defense, whether it's, you know, an actual defender or a forward, and we maybe we play a little more defensive style like Tortorella was known for. If we kind of bring that back and we're all healthy, then I think the goaltending gets better because he they're not facing 45, 50 shots a game, right? So I would be okay if we just kept Elvis and kept Corpy. I, I, I think Tarasov's got to prove that he can stay healthy for more than a, more than a couple months at a time because that seems to be a problem, a big problem. So I just don't want Corpy to go anywhere. I really don't, and I hope he doesn't. And I know, you know, if you're on Twitter, it's no secret. His name's been dropped to a couple teams here and there, and come trade deadline, you know, there might be some enticing deals, some enticing trades that come across Yarmo's desk where he just can't turn it down. And I I would hate to see him go because I feel like Corpy has played fantastic this year given the circumstances, and we know what he can do. We know what Corpy's capable of doing. He's a great goaltender, and I just don't want to see him go. I really don't. I, and, again, I'm going to say it one more time, I get the argument of, you know, his value is high right now, right? It wasn't high last year, and we could have traded him. And now he's playing incredible, so we could probably get something of value in return. But if I'm Yarmo, I just feel like I stay put. I stay put with the goaltending, and I try to do other. I try to make other moves with the players that we have besides that. Because Elvis, unfortunately, ain't going anywhere. Nobody is going to take on that contract unless we eat half of it. Or some three-way trade with some other team and somebody eats half of it and or we eat some of it. I, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that, but I know it can be done. But nobody's going to take on Elvis. I think Elvis would benefit from a change of scenery. I think being in Columbus is not good for him anymore. That's just my personal opinion. But anyways. All right, moving on. So, uh, this is some positive things. Let's, let's talk about some happy things, right? Uh, Blue Jackets, de- dead last in the league. All right, sorry. I guess I'm not starting off positive. But anyways, Blue Jackets, dead last in the league. But, here's the but. We're averaging 16,444 fans a game. That is a near 90% capacity of Nationwide Arena. And it's been kind of making the making the the social the social I don't know what you call it. I don't know. People are tweeting out the attendance figures a lot more right now because they're kind of like, damn, this team is dead last in the National Hockey League. And a random Thursday night versus the Wild at the Schwide, Nationwide Arena. We call it the Schwide here on the podcast. About 18,000 in attendance. A near sellout. First, the Wild. The Wild fans don't travel that much. They're not like Toronto. They're not like, they're not like Pittsburgh, Washington. 
About 18,000 in the house. Saturday versus the Oilers, the largest crowd of the season. Standing room only, 19,004. And I'm, you know, you can always say, oh, well, Connor McDavid was in town. It's the Connor McDavid effect. Yeah, but at the same time, like, we're, we're seeing a 90% capacity the whole season. So it's, it's, it's consistent with kind of what's going on. Standing room only crowd for a dead last team. To put that in perspective, right? Let, let me, let's just, let me pull it up here on my phone. So the Devils, the Devils are a really good team. Devils are a very competitive team. Their Devils will probably go to the playoffs, right? At least I think they will, barring anything crazy that happens. So that same Thursday that we had a near sellout versus the Wild, the Devils had 15,397 fans in attendance. The Jackets had 18,000. And the Devils are a really good team. That's insane to me. And the market in New Jersey is far and away bigger than the one in Columbus. Isn't that, I mean, that's slightly, I mean, that's pretty crazy. The Red Wings, they had more fans. They had 19,000 in the, in the building, but they were at a 97% capacity, so not, not really a sellout. The San Jose Sharks, 11,320 in attendance, 64% capacity in the Shark Tank that same Thursday. Just saying, the, the fifth line showing out, man. <laughs> Can you please give us a winner? Can you please give us a winner, J.D. and Yarmo? The fans are here. The fans are here. The fact that we are dead last in the National Hockey League, we're averaging 16,444 fans, 90% capacity. That's crazy. And I love that. That, that just shows the league that we're, we are a hockey town. We have the fan base to support this team. But for the love of God, give us a product that we can cheer for. Give us a good team. So someone tweeted me, and I'm not going to put their handle on blast. I just thought it was incredibly stupid, but I would like to talk about it. This is also about the attendance. I, I, I pumped it up on the artillery. I, I, you know, I sent out the tweet with the, with the figures. And he said, uh, in this tweet, he said, well, if the fans stopped showing up, that would send a message to the front office. No. <laughs> no, it wouldn't, actually. That, that, that would mean our team would be moving to probably like Quebec City if the fans stopped showing up. Right? I, I don't know. I feel like sending a message to the front office by just not showing up to a game and having an empty arena, A, that would make you just a laughing stock in the National Hockey League. Nobody would want... Everybody would just like continue to disrespect Columbus. Everybody already thinks that we're just a cow town. No, keep showing up, fans. Keep selling out that arena. You love to see it. I love to see it. And if anything, it shows Connor Bedard. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of good. There's a there's a rabid fan base there, baby. And I and I want to go there. <laughs> He's probably not saying that, but he doesn't have a choice if he does get drafted here. So. Anyways, I, I thought that was neat, you know? It's pretty cool to see in, in this type of season the worst on record, a standing room only crowd on a random Saturday. Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. So, before we end this podcast, hopefully my ranting, you've been slightly entertained. I don't know. Um, 
I much prefer having Kyle, Warren, Tyler, and Brent, uh, <laughs> Braden here, but you just get me today. But anyway, so before we end the, end the episode, let's talk about the standings really quick. Um, so even with the, the win versus the Oilers in the OTL loss versus the Wild today, uh, the Jackets still find themselves dead last in the league, but first in the Connor Bedard stakes. So uh, currently the Blue Jackets have 44 points on the season. They are 32nd in the National Hockey League. Anaheim has 45 points, Chicago 47, uh, San Jose Sharks 48, and Arizona 49. So those are your bottom five Blue Jackets. Even though they've kind of acquired a handful of points here, um, still find themselves dead last in the league. So, uh, sure, you love to see, you love to see a, a win, especially against the Oilers, right? I am all for it, baby. Give me a win versus the Oilers. When McDavid comes to town, hell, Blankenberg was shutting him down. I don't know if you were watching those games or that game versus uh, the Oilers, but Blankenberg, man, he was he was frustrating McDavid. I, I love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. You got this kid undrafted, signed randomly last season. At the end of the year, he's like five foot eight, a buck eighty, and he's shutting down the best player in the National Hockey League. Granted, that was for a moment because he did have two goals. But <laughs> for a while, McDavid was getting a little frustrated with with Blankenberg, and that was kind of funny. Uh, but McDavid definitely, you know, why he's the best player in the league? He's incredible. I mean. Watching him was is absolutely insane. I say that to say, like, it's good to see the Jackets, you know, at least getting a win for maybe team morale. But in the back of your mind, you're kind of like, okay, well, where does that put us? You know, we, we want that draft lottery. We want a good pick. There's only 23 games left in the in the season. Uh, let's not hit a hot streak right now. This is not the time. Um, but it's still, you like to see the dub. Team morale, they probably need it. Um but yeah, so anyways, Jackets currently last place in the National Hockey League. Uh, this is also, this is following the Minnesota game that took place today where they lost in overtime. Um, I'm not, I didn't really touch on the games per se. Um, we're going to touch on those Wednesday when the whole group's back for the podcast. I just kind of wanted to more so touch on the Gavrikov uh, situation and the reason that we didn't have a podcast last Wednesday. Um, but anyways, hopefully you were somewhat entertained by just this old solo episode. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be back Wednesday with the whole crew, hopefully the whole crew. At least it won't be just me. All right, I'm done here. Hopefully Wednesday <laughs> it'll be a, a full house, not just me. Uh, but anyways, hey, little boomers, I appreciate you listening. Uh, before we head out, I do want to talk about our incredible sponsor, High Bank Distillery. Listen, High Bank Distillery, uh, they've been on board with the artillery now for, like, what, three years i think maybe four i think it's three and they've been an, an incredible partner and i i love them so much and it's awesome to see their success like they are listen they are award-winning now all across the board their spirits have won so many competitions like i'm not talking local i'm not talking like in the state i'm talking national uh their whiskey war is award-winning from the San Francisco San Francisco Spears competition. I'm actually drinking it right now. That's kind of why I slurred that there a second ago. Uh, but, uh, no, man, check out highbankco.com for more details about High Bank. Uh, it, they have two locations in, in central Ohio. They have the original one right across from the Grandview Yard. 
uh, which they're expanding like their whole distilling operations there because they're blowing up so much. Uh, they also have their new location over in the New Albany, Gahanna area. Great food, great cocktails. When you're there, you can take home bottles. Also, if you're in like your local liquor store here in Central Ohio or around the state, you can find their spirits there as well. Highbankco.com for more details there. All right, we're done. That was a bad transition of the music, but I'm, I'm by myself. I'm controlling the board, too. There's a lot going on here. Uh, but hey, I appreciate you listening to episode 240 of the podcast. The whole crew will, will be back uh, this Wednesday. We're all back. Warren, Kyle, Tyler, Brenda, Braden. Maybe, maybe he'll be back. I don't know. He's deep in baseball season now over at Otter, Otterbine, the Bean. Uh, but hey, thanks for listening to, uh, to episode 240. Hopefully, the solo episode, you were slightly entertained. I don't know. Regardless, we'll see you Wednesday. See y'all.